0: You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we're continuing the new series with part six, New Mindset. We cannot stay in our old ways of thinking if we want to advance into the big plans God has. We must learn what God's word has to say about him transforming our mindsets. Let's get started. Happy Sunday, family. Thank you so much for joining us in worship today. You know, for the last several weeks, we have been in a teaching series called New. If you take a second to reflect and look around, it's clear that God is doing some new things in this season. And during this first several weeks of this teaching series, we have been focusing on how we are to prepare for the new. As a matter of fact, that was the focus of our seven day fast that we recently completed. Now we're going to turn our attention to mental health, mental fitness, and the new mindset that we need to have in order to embrace the new that God is doing. That's in fact, what we're gonna talk about this morning, a new mindset. Come on, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful for this Sunday and this opportunity to lift our hearts and our hands and even Lord, all of our challenges and questions to you. You are the only wise God, you are faithful in all your ways and so now Lord, We look to you. We pray that you would pause all of the distractions as we come to your word. Speak to us and allow your word, Lord, to not just transform our hearts, but also transform our minds. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and the people of God said, amen. Amen. Well, as we talk about a new mindset this morning, I want you to meet me in the Gospel of Mark And in chapter number 10, and I wanna pick up at around verse 46, it says this, it says, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me." And look at this in particular. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, family, this is a critical passage that we're gonna spend some time in this morning. But before we jump into this incredible story, it's important for us to also take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew 9 and in verse 17. In Matthew 9 and in verse 17, Jesus says, Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. That's good. The reason old wineskins could not contain new wine is because over time, old wineskins become brittle and are unwilling to stretch. New wine needs to be in a container or a wineskin that can stretch because as the new wine breathes and even continues the fermentation process, the container that it's in needs to stretch in order to facilitate that process. Old wineskins are brittle and unable to stretch, which means any time new wine was placed in old wineskins, the wineskins would burst, the wine would be spilled and ruined. Now, family, while Jesus is using wine and wineskins as the illustration here, what he's talking about specifically is your mindset, a mindset that is fixed and unwilling to be stretched, can't grasp the new stuff that God is doing, while a mindset that is open and willing to be stretched can. This is why the Pharisees who had a fixed mindset completely missed the new thing that God was doing through Jesus, while so many other people had a different mindset. They were open and willing to be stretched, and so they benefited greatly from the person and the ministry of Jesus. Stanford University psychologist, Carol Dweck, has spent a number of years studying this biblical concept and she's done decades of research on this topic. And her research reveals that more than anything else, your mindset determines so much about the quality and even the direction of your life. Her research reveals that if you have a fixed mindset, this mindset leads to stagnation, frustration, and even a lack of achievement. But having a growth mindset is different. This is the mindset that allows you to thrive even in the face of the most difficult of circumstances. See, a fixed mindset believes that your talent and your abilities and your circumstances are set in stone and will never change. While a growth mindset understands that talent and abilities and even circumstances can change and be developed over time. This is why biblically, historically, and even contemporarily, the people that God has done incredible things through have all had a growth mindset. Ben Hogan, who was completely uncoordinated and graceless as a child, grew to become one of the greatest golfers of all time, not because he had a fixed mindset, but instead he had a growth mindset. Cindy Sherman failed her first photography course, but then went on to become one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. Not because she had a fixed mindset, but because she had a growth mindset. Samuel L. Jackson had a crippling drug addiction, but he went on to become one of the greatest actors of our generation because he didn't have a fixed mindset, he had a growth mindset. All of those individuals and so many more were able to accomplish all of those things that they did, that we love them for, simply because they have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. What about you? Do you have a fixed mindset or growth mindset? Do you believe that nothing will change and nothing can change and it's always been this way and nothing's ever going to change things? Or do you believe that things can get better? Do you believe that God is doing something new? Do you believe that all things are possible with God? See, this is why Jesus's encounter with uh, blind Bartimaeus is so important. In this passage, we have on display a fixed mindset, and a growth mindset. Recall when blind Bartimaeus begins to scream out to Jesus, there are people that try to tell him to be quiet. Those are the individuals that had a fixed mindset. Their mindset is, why are you crying out to Jesus? Why are you calling to him? You are blind, you've always been blind, nothing's gonna change about that. They had a fixed mindset. But it's clear that blind Bartimaeus had a growth mindset when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he knew that things could change, things could develop, that things could be different, that, that God could do something new. Blind Bartimaeus had a growth mindset. And that's a word for you. Here's the question this morning. Can you stretch your mind to believe that God wants to do something new. Can you, can you stretch your mind to believe that no matter how long things have been the way that they are, that God wants to develop you, God wants to move you into a new place, God wants to do new things in and through you? Do you have a growth mindset? See, if we're going to participate in the new that God is doing, we have to have a new mindset, a growth mindset. And what you see in this passage, in this story, are some important truths that we have to understand if we're going to embrace this new mindset. Number one, we see that a new mindset is not automatic. A new mindset is not automatic. Now, this encounter between Jesus and blind Bartimaeus happened on the Jericho Road, and Jesus would often travel up and down this road. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 20, when Jesus heals two blind men, it's on this same road. In Luke 19, when Jesus has the encounter with Zacchaeus, it happened on this same road. When Jesus, in fact, responds to the lawyer's questions about who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the lawyer the story of the Good Samaritan. The actual road that the story takes place on is this road, the Jericho road. Jesus traveled, as a matter of fact, this road on his final journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. The point I want you to understand is that Jesus would often travel this road. And it was the routine as well, the daily habit of blind Bartimaeus to sit on the side of this same road and beg for money. So get this, every day he sits on the same road that Jesus would often travel up and down every day He sits on the same road where Jesus has healed others. Every day he is sitting on the same road where others have had a transformational encounter with Jesus. Yet up until Mark chapter 10, no breakthrough, no transformation, no change has happened for him. Why? Because a new mindset is not automatic. The truth is you can be in the same vicinity as Jesus. You can be around others that are experiencing healing and wholeness and still not have it for yourself. Just being around Jesus is not enough. Part of the reason why many people struggle in the area of their thinking is because they believe, well, if I'm around Jesus, if I'm in the vicinity or if I'm you know, getting connected to a church family, then my thinking will automatically change. But that's not the case. Let me show you something in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. It says this, it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this passage is extremely important because it shows us the the different parts of our lives that God works in as he's saving us. Now, let me unpack that. What you must understand is that salvation is both instantaneous and progressive. That's important. I got to say it again. Salvation is both instantaneous and progressive. So what do I mean by that? It means that we have been saved. The moment you open your heart and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, our spirit is saved. We have been saved. But the instantaneous part is we have been saved. The moment we say, Jesus is Lord, I accept him as my Lord and Savior, our spirit is saved. That happens instantaneously. But then there's another part of our salvation that is progressive, okay? In the old church, it used to be called sanctification. We are being saved as it relates to our soul. The soul level of a person is the place of their mind, their will, and their emotion. So the moment you open your heart to the Lord, receive him as your personal savior. Our spirit is saved. But the ongoing work of salvation is at our soul level, the place of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we have been saved in our spirit. We are being saved in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then guess what? We will be saved, future tense, as it relates to our body. Meaning when we get to heaven, we're going to have new bodies. The apostle Paul talks about, we know that if this earthly house that we dwell in is dissolved. We have a a tabernacle in the heavens, a building not made by man. Paul is talking about the new body that we will receive in glory. So I want to make sure that you get this. Salvation is both instantaneous and progressive. We have been saved. That means when you accept Jesus, our spirit is saved. But we are being saved, meaning the ongoing work that God wants to do in our lives as he molds us, and shapes us into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ happens at our soul level, the level of our mind, our will and our emotions, and then we will be saved after we get to the other side of eternity, we will receive new bodies. Now, I went through all of that because if you get that, then you understand. Part of the reason why believers are saved, sure enough, if they were to die tonight, they would spend eternity with the Lord, but they still struggle here on earth, struggle with the wrong thoughts, struggle with the wrong mentality, struggle with the wrong response to situations, maybe struggle in what they say, or maybe uh, love the Lord, but still have a tendency to do the wrong things, is because while they are saved in their spirit, there's still ongoing work that God wants to do at their soul level, the place of their mind, their will, and their emotions. Have you ever wondered uh, how people could love God and have a Holy Ghost good time on Sunday morning, but still on Monday struggle in certain areas. It's because of this very thing, because a part of the ongoing work that God wants to do in our lives after the initial salvation experience is at the level of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is why when you read the story of the nation of Israel, particularly after God blesses them and leads them, and you see how often, they disobey God and how often they let God down and how often they even craved and want to go back to Egypt. It's easy to read that story and wonder, well, why in the world couldn't they get it right? Why couldn't they just be obedient and faithful after everything God did for them? My goodness, why couldn't they just act the, the right way? Well, the reason is that while they were in a new environment, their thinking had not changed. The reason they continue to struggle is because externally they were blessed. They were no longer uh, in Egyptian slavery, but mentally they were still a mess. See, the point is if our thinking doesn't change and it doesn't happen automatically, then we often will look the part on the outside and we may even be in a good place, a blessed place, but the disconnect happens in our mind because our thinking has not changed. We don't have a new mindset because our thinking doesn't automatically change. So what we so unfortunately do is often when God opens up a new door, a new opportunity, because our thinking doesn't automatically change, what we so often do is carry the bricks from our past into our present and future and ultimately build the same house. And what this looks like is that This is part of the reason why sometimes we can be in our blessed place, be in the best job for an example that God has for us. But then we think that the the people around us on that job will undervalue us just like maybe the last job did. Or God could open the door for us to get into an amazing relationship, the right relationship. But then we think, well, they're going to mistreat us like the people in the last relationship did. Or sometimes God will open up a door and, and bring in new groups of people in our lives, the right group of people. But then we often will think, well, they can't be trusted because the last group could not be trusted. See, so many of us, if we're not careful, will sabotage the new things that God is doing because we will go into this new season or this new place with an old mind. And we will end up making the people in our present pay for the hurts of the people in our past because our thinking has not changed. You know, this is why God is so intentional to choose Moses after he's been on that Midianite desert for 40 years. God is intentional in that burning bush to call Moses to go back to Egypt and to lead the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. Have you ever thought about it? God could have used anybody. There were so many other people that God could have chosen, but God chose Moses for a reason. God sends Moses particularly because what God was leading Moses to do for the nation of Israel, God had to do in Moses himself. Let me explain it to you. Many times we think just because of tradition or the stories we've heard that Moses had a stuttering problem. And a lot of us, if you grew up in Sunday school, that's the way tradition, you know, portrayed Moses. That's why he didn't want to lead and why he didn't want to speak because he had a stuttering problem. Well, that's not biblically accurate. If you look at Acts chapter seven and verse 22, it says this. It says Moses was educated in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. Watch this. And was powerful in speech and in action. You cannot be powerful in speech and in action and have a stuttering problem. So now hold Acts seven in verse 22 in tension. Now let's look at Exodus chapter four and verse 10. Because now put it in perspective. This is Moses talking to God and he says, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So what Moses is literally saying to God, he's not saying I can't speak well. He's saying that I've just spent the last 40 years outside of Egypt, meaning that my thinking has changed. Now you want me to go back into that environment. I don't think that way anymore. I don't process things mentally. I've got a different mindset. That's what Moses is saying to God, not I have a stuttering problem and I can't speak. He's saying, God, I don't even think the way that they, that they think anymore. And that ought to be your response to God as well. After God does the work that he wants to do in your mind and changes your mentality, that ought to be your response. God, I don't think that way anymore. Have you ever just done kind of a reflection over your life? And here's one of the ways that you can tell that you're growing spiritually, not just that you are doing certain things different, but also that your thinking is different. You ought to have moments where you look back over your life and say, you know what, God, I thank you because I remember how I used to think, but I don't think that way anymore. And if you allow God to change your mentality, then guess what? God may use you just like he used Moses to bring others out of that former place of bondage where you used to be yourself. But here's what you have to understand. This new mindset. It's not automatic. It just doesn't happen overnight and it just doesn't happen by virtue of being saved. Here's the second thing that this story teaches us is that number two, a new mindset requires work on our part. Yes, it's not automatic. Number two, a new mindset requires work on our part. So please notice the circumstances that Bartimaeus is dealing with. Well, there are several. First, his name is son of Timaeus. That's what Bartimaeus means, which suggests it is quite possible that this issue of blindness was because of something maybe his father did. There was another instance where Jesus and the disciples come upon a man born blind, and they raised this question, who sinned? Was it because of his parents? So maybe the dominant thought for Bartimaeus and the people in his family, is well, his father was like that, and that's why Bartimaeus is like that. But also, he is around people that literally reinforce that, that thought that there is nothing that can be done to change his situation. These are the people. That, that intervene when he hears that Jesus is coming by and he begins to call to Jesus. These are the people with the fixed mindset that, that try to quiet him and tell him, don't worry about it, don't bother Jesus because they think nothing's going to change. And perhaps maybe even at some point, he thought to himself, well, I've been blind and I've been on this road all this time and maybe things will never change. I want you to notice what's happening around him. Also, want you to notice what's happening in him, but Romans chapter 12 and verse two is real clear about the work that has to be done. I love it. It, it says, and I want to show this to you in several translations to really make sure that we get it. it. It says in the NIV, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now that word transformed is metamorpho in the Greek and metamorpho is the root word from which we get the English word metamorphosis. The the same metamorphosis that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. Caterpillar goes into that cocoon and literally changes, is transformed into a butterfly. When the butterfly emerges from that cocoon, you don't see remnants, of the caterpillar, you see something totally different. That's what metamorpho means. When Paul says be transformed, that's what he's pointing to. So our struggle, our work that we have got to do in order to have a new mindset is that we've got to tear down then the world's thinking and we've got to metamorpho, we've got to rebuild, transform our minds based on the word of God. Let me share with you a little bit of the science of how our minds work. There's something called neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity literally is our mind's ability to stretch. And neuroplasticity is about the fact that you can, in many ways, rewire your brain. You can change your thought life. You can change the way that you process through things that that new neurons and other things can fire. And, and new connections can be made in your brain, you can literally rewire and change and transform your thinking process. That's been scientifically proven and that's called neuroplasticity. This is in fact what Paul is saying. And Paul says, this is so important. Paul says, until you do this, until you have a new mindset, he says, you will not be able to know what God's will is. He says, when you transform your mind, he says, then you will know what God's will is, meaning there's great things that God has in store for you. There's new things that God wants to do in and through you, but you won't be able to see it. You won't be able to discern it. You won't be able to connect with it until you transformed your thinking. I love uh, the Amplified version when you go back and look at Romans 12:1, and, and it says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age. Then it gives an explanation. It means fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed. There that word is metamorpho changed. How? By the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. Here it is. So that you may prove for yourself what is the good, and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you." Oh my goodness. I love the Amplified version, but I love the message translation even better. I wanna share that with you. The message says it this way, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That actually is the New Living Translation. I got all of these in my head. Let me share with you the message version. I share with you the Amplified, the New Living Translation is one of my favorites, but, but I love the message. Let me share that with you. It says, don't become so well-adjusted, that's it, to your culture, that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh, that's so good. Instead fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity. Oh my goodness. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Yeah, that's the message translation. That's That's a drop the mic kind of verse right there. See, family, the greatest ways that the enemy often attacks us is through our mind. And one of the ways that he does it is by getting us to just think the way the world does. So when you look around and we're talking about a new thing or a new season, it may not look like that if you're thinking along the way or the lines that the world does. But part of the reason why demons flee at the name of Jesus, the Bible tells us, is because the word of God is literally a higher intelligence. When Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, talking about allowing the word of God to transform you, he's saying you begin to think differently. You begin to think at a higher level and a higher plane because you are thinking in line with what is true and what is real, which is the word of God. So we've got some work to do. A new mindset is not automatic. But let me give you a couple of things that we have to do if we're gonna put our work in to have this new mindset. A, we have to move past feelings. Oh, this is a good one. See, the way that the the brain works, if I can go back and talk about this science of, of our new mindset, the way the brain works is that your thoughts, watch this, are initially influenced by your senses, all right? We have the senses, sight and taste and touch and hearing. So the way that our brain works is that our thoughts are initially influenced by what we sense. But the moment that we have those thoughts, here's what you must know. Those thoughts are not permanent. So the brain, when when you sense something and then you have a thought, those, those thoughts are not permanent because the brain doesn't file them away as memories and doesn't consider those thoughts permanent right away. The way our brain works is when we sense something and have a thought, our brain gives us time, watch this, to evaluate that thought. To decide is it real? Should we file this away as permanent or is it something that we should dismiss? Oh, that's so good. And this is so significant because often, family, what we perceive through our senses is incorrect. That's why how the brain works is so amazing. You know, often people say, "Well, this is how I feel or this is, this is what I'm sensing, but often how we feel or sense is not right. Bartimaeus Feels blind. Plus, what people around him are saying is, "Man, don't don't bother Jesus. You're blind. You can always be blind. There's nothing that's going to change." But he has to move past his feelings. And what does that mean for us? Why is that critical? Because often our feelings are wrong. Let me show this to you in scripture. Join me in Genesis in the story of <clears throat> Isaac and Jacob, and it says. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near me so that I can touch you. Here we go with the senses, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. And Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize them for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. This is the story about Jacob stealing his brother's blessing and birthright. And the way that it happened was through senses. Isaac, his father, was as blind as a bat. And so, you know the story, some of you do, and I don't want to assume that all of you do. But, but in Genesis, you'll read about how Jacob really puts on the clothing to appear to be like his brother. And he tricks his father Why? Because his father's blind. He's blind as a bat. He's just feeling around. And he thinks that because of what he feels, it's actually Esau, who is the oldest and supposed to get the blessing. But it's actually not Esau, it's Jacob. What's the point? Isaac was blind as a bat. And so are we when we are led simply by our feelings. I'll I'll show you another one in Genesis. It says, then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this, examine it to see whether it's your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. All of his sons and all of his daughters came to him and comforted him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. Watch this. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So this is the story of when Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. They convince his father that Joseph is dead. How? Because they just take his robe, dip it in blood, and by way of his senses, his father thinks, Oh, my son is dead. But the truth is Joseph was very much alive. It sounds almost like a soap opera. Oh, you think he's dead? Dun, dun. You know, meanwhile, he's very much alive. But the point is he's going through all of this drama, all of this grief, all of this mourning because he's living his life based on his senses and he's wrong. That's a word for someone this morning. There's a lot of heartache and grief and unnecessary stress that you are going through because you are being led by your senses. And guess what? Your senses are wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, God is doing something new. Your your dream, your destiny, God's best for you is very much alive. It's not over. It is not that something has catastrophically happened, but your senses may lead you to believe that because your senses can be wrong. This is why, A, we have to move past our feelings, but then, B, and finally, we have to control what we focus on. You gotta control what you focus on. So, the next step in the science of thought, watch this, is that once your senses influence your thought, that thought goes to another part of your brain where it's processed for 24 to 48 hours. And what happens? is that thought moves from the thalamus to the amygdala and then to the hippocampus. I wanna say that again, it moves from the thalamus to the amygdala to the hippocampus. And every time it goes through that process, thalamus, amygdala, hippocampus, thalamus, amygdala, hippocampus, every time it goes through that process, the thought gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This is why whatever you focus on is magnified. But watch this. While it's going through that process, you have the ability to throw it out. You have the ability to say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to throw it out so that it doesn't continue to go through that process and be filed away as something permanent. This is why the Bible says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. There it is. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And here it is bringing into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, meaning that when it's going through that process, right? When it's going through that process, you literally can say, you know, I'm not gonna think about that, or that's not in line with what I know the word of God tells me. And you literally can cast that thought down and throw it out. I love another translation of that same verse. that says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Wow. And to destroy false arguments, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You know, the other day I had to get a new laptop. I've had my laptop since 2013 and it was on his last leg, y'all. I mean, it would uh, just go off whenever it wanted to. And uh, so I just held on to it as long as I could. And I had to get a new laptop and, and I got the new laptop and was trying to pull everything over from my old laptop and my emails were not working correctly. And so you know, we reached out to tech support that uh, supports us here at the ministry. And uh, because everybody's working from home, he said, okay, Bishop, here's what I need you to do. I need you to open this portal uh, in your web browser and I'm going to remotely come in and, and you know control your computer. And so I was a little uneasy about that, but I needed help with my emails being set up. So I did, I went to that web browser and then literally this guy over the phone in another part of the city, got control of my computer, and I started seeing the cursor move around. I wasn't moving it. He started doing all kinds of things, and I was really uncomfortable with that, and I said, well, okay, all right, but just get my email set up, but then uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't feel comfortable with you having access to all my stuff like that, and he said, oh, well, don't worry about it, Bishop. When I'm done, you can just take this program and throw it in the trash. Oh, that's so good. See, oftentimes, we just allow all kinds of foolishness and junk to get in our minds and just start uh, moving its cursor all around and controlling uh, our applications, if you will, and our life and our thought patterns. But what we have the ability to do is to take that junk and move it into the trash and to literally say, I'm not going to focus on that. That's not permanent. That's not the truth of the word of God and what I know God do is doing right now or does in my life. That's that's trash. And so I'm going to not allow that to run my life I'm gonna throw it in the trash and move on. See, Bartimaeus' family has to decide what is he gonna focus on? He's got people saying, oh, don't bother Jesus. Uh, Be quiet, don't call out to him. But, But he knows that Jesus is passing by. He knows that with this growth mindset that things can literally change, but he has to decide what is he gonna focus on? Is he gonna focus on Jesus? Is he gonna focus on the word, the truth? The way and the life, is he going to focus on that or is he going to focus on the junk? Is he going to focus on the lives of people with a fixed mindset? He focuses on Jesus. He has a new mindset and that's what causes him to shut all of that other stuff out and to reach for Jesus. Now, here is the million dollar question. Since he is blind. How does he get to Jesus? Let me let you marinate on that, because all the Bible says is he hears Jesus passing by, but he can't see him. So the million dollar question is, if he cannot see Jesus, how does he get to him? I, I want you to wrestle with that, because I'm teaching to some of you this morning and you may not see the new thing that God is doing. You, you, you may not see it, may not look to you like anything is changing. But remember, as believers How are we supposed to live? We are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. How does blind Bartimaeus get to Jesus? He's got to key in on his voice. He's got to listen to the to the word of Christ. And that's how he gets to him. And I love it. Jesus says. It's your faith that's made you whole. You know another way to describe a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset is faith versus no faith. When you have a fixed mindset and you think that nothing's gonna change, That's an indication that you are living without faith. But when you have a growth mindset and know that all things are possible, like blind Bartimaeus, if I can just get to him, I know he can make me well, that's a growth mindset because we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You may not see it, but you ought to sense it and you ought to stretch for it. Ah, family, this story and this passage and this truth is so good. Listen, I pray, I pray that you, take this word, allow God to not just transform your heart, but to transform your mind. We're in a new season. God is doing new things, but we need a new mindset to go along with it. And you know what? I may be talking to some of you that have not opened your heart to the Lord first. So before we can get to the progressive part of salvation that I was talking about a moment ago, we got to deal with that instantaneous part of salvation. So I want to encourage you today, right now to open your heart to the Lord. Accept him as your Lord and personal savior. Allow that instantaneous part of salvation to happen and then step into the new process as God begins to give you a new mindset. There may be some of you who have opened your heart to the Lord, but you're not a part of a faith community. That's why the worship center is here. We're here for you. We're gonna be opening um, our campuses in a few days, but even if you don't feel comfortable to return to the campus. There's plenty of ways for you to connect and to be a part of our amazing faith community right there from the comforts of your own home. And we are working even behind the scenes to create even more ways that you and your family can connect with God, connect with us and be discipled digitally. Don't allow distance to be an excuse for you to not grow in Christ, to become the person not only that Christ wants you to be, but that you need to be. Family, it's decision time because we need to be connected to our Heavenly Father, but we also need a new mindset. God bless you. I am so excited about this new teaching. I cannot wait until next week. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.